to episode eight of the Food Coma podcast. Uh, in each episode, we take basically a seemingly mundane topic revolving around food. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, food TV, or food uh, television to the, the, lay, the lay person. My guest today is Andy Gary, uh, the co-owner and co-chef at the Hyrule Lobster Company in Portland. There's a Hyrule Lobster Co. or company. We go with company. Uh- I think it's just Co. Yeah, I mean, we'll go Lobster it's always Co. been abbreviated. It's never really written down. It's High Roller Lobster Co. That's just what it is. Yep. And they're at 104 Exchange Street in Portland. Uh, and you can check them out at highrollerlobster.com. Andy, thank you for joining me. How are you? I am doing really well. Um, super excited to be here. Uh, super honored to be kind of next on the list wow. uh, in this laundry list of you know. local celebs and afar. Um, really happy to be here. I thought that Mike, uh, who was preceding you episode wise, had the award for with the Def Leppard shirt, but you've showed up with like a very highly satanic Guy Fieri shirt with like the Anton LaVey theme. Yeah, uh, uh, this is uh, one of one of probably six or seven Guy Fieri shirts that I own. We're talking about food TV today, and it's uh, it's interesting to sort of interesting to sort of go back to the the kind of basis uh, of the whole thing. You know, like basically. Julia Child essentially was in 1963, the French chef with Julia Child. That kind of started it. Yeah, I think so. Right. I mean, there was there were other shows before that. I that mean, was the first one with a real following that people enjoyed sitting down and watching. I think it felt kind of comforting to watch, yeah. which is what food should do. So it makes sense that food TV also does that. Right. It made you feel like you could actually be in that kitchen and potentially make something that yeah. tastes good regardless of your level of skill. of skill. And I think it was really ahead of its time for the sixties. I mean, cause it would Absolutely. be perfectly normal now right. to see that show. Come on. Uh, then there was uh, Joyce Chen uh, shortly after that, uh, introducing America to more of the Chinese cookery, mm-hmm. the galloping gourmet <laughs> Graham Kerr, who basically got that name because he like, I think he like pranced onto the stage. I really like the name. The yeah. Yeah. The galloping gourmet. Right. I mean, that's, that's what it is. People are still talking about you. In 2019. <laughs> My favorite, though, as far as like shows I remember, like when I was growing up, because it wasn't like I was watching Julia Child. Like that's something I way later discovered. I wasn't watching it when I was growing up right. in, in the 80s. But I do remember, I don't know if it was my grandparents or my, somebody was always watching um, the Cooking Cajun with Justin Wilson. Do you remember him? I've only I've only seen maybe an episode or two of that. Yeah, he was always um, like kind of hunched over a little bit. Super thick Cajun accent. And always drinking, um, but he was. He, that sounds but, like something enjoyable to watch. <laughs> he kind of became my inspiration for you know what I want to do with my life. I just want to be hunched over and, and drink wine and, and make Cajun food. That sounds great. Yeah, Justin, thank you for that. Actually, if ironically enough, my oldest memories of like food on TV are the like infomercials of food stuff. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. If Which, I'm being honest, like it's you should like, be honest. Which set ones? it and forget it, and yeah. like that I mean, kind of thing. We still say those. Things. Oh yeah, <laughs> they, they're catchphrases and <laughs> little dabble do ya. Yeah, and I don't know. So honestly, like my oldest TV food memories are those. Like, call now for the next twenty minutes. You can blah blah blah. We'll like, throw in the rock and chop. Yeah, and I, I really <laughs> like that stuff because like food. I mean, I love food, obviously, but like the branding and marketing aspect behind food is just as engaging to me. And I think it's really interesting how people sell food and food products differently, because with food, you kind of build a brand that associates with the food to the point where they are hard to differentiate. I think you do a great job of that. Hyrule, obviously, because you guys are 
Thank you with the marketing. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's the fun part. I mean, yeah, food totally. is what is you know comes natural, but getting people to want it uh, without smelling it or tasting it is yeah. the hard part. To start, to, yeah, I think the infomercials. I didn't even plan on bringing those up, but you're right. I mean, that was really a way they had you at the end being like, you know what? I do need like a knife and I need like the paring knife thrown in. I just thought they were bizarre. I mean, you look and then the camera pans and there's like a studio audience of like 40 people watching a guy like rotisserie cook a single chicken. Yeah. (laughs) And they are thrilled about that. They're clapping. They're cheering. Testimonials rocking, you know, like I always want somebody to lose a finger on those shows. I don't know why. Oh, and you see like a guy swing a sword (laughs) and it (laughs) launches out or you don't see a whole lot of the cooking accident. No, you don't. Um, I guess that's the point of those things. They're for people who don't necessarily know how to cook. Well, yeah, because who the hell, like when you think about a slap chop, (laughs) <laughs> like why do you need a slap chop why is it that you can't run a knife through? no knife handling i i, I guess i, I mean just... i've worked in restaurants where people have lost you know bits and fingers but uh, yeah yeah, yeah. The slap chop is Listen, kind of... all right okay <laughs> safety safety is a is certainly a i really like that stuff i like to really like <laughs> do you have a lot of that shit at your house not right now i yeah. grew, i certainly have yeah. throughout my life uh into adulthood because i was you know became able to buy that kind of stuff yeah yeah yeah. so like the end cap at a do you have a, form, a, you have a foreman grill <laughs> uh I think I have one. I haven't used it in a long time. <laughs> I used it in an emergency once because my grill ran out of propane. I didn't want to go to the store. That is definitely so I, like, emergency. Finished, cook, finished cooking grill. burgers in a George Foreman grill. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's like the as seen on TV stuff. Like, I don't know. Something about that type of food stuff is really intriguing to me. Like convincing people like you can do it, too. And all you need is this scissor knife. Right. Like, like look at this stuff. pan. I can pretty much just scratch my chef knife across the pan. Oh, and yeah. Nothing happens magic to it. copper pan. Yeah. Like, magic. Yeah. Never ruin an egg. Like This honeycomb pattern. Look at this. Look at the nonstick. Yeah. Like, that's that's my next business that. venture is a restaurant exclusively using as seen on TV cooking devices. Um, so what's stopping you? Yeah. Oh, nice open kitchen using yeah, you know, plastic chops. cookingware. And <laughs> All the people in the line just slap, eggs. slap, slap in the slap chop. That would yeah. be amazing. Well, I think that's the, the, the basically the biggest problem I, I have with food TV is kind of what you're saying. It's like this guy's generated excitement uh, in, a, in a way that it was you know, theatrical because I don't think that in the end of the day, I think it all said in the 90s, everybody's like, oh my God, let's make food like really exciting. Yeah. And I said this on previous episodes, like I don't really think that food is technically that exciting. Like it's exciting to eat food and it's exciting to cook it, but it's not like Battle of the Bulge or like Chernobyl exciting. Yeah. You know, there's like nothing that epic going on. So I don't like it when they try to create and manufacture that kind of drama around food. I feel like a lot of time that kind of like you know, the you were talking like the intense music, the quick cuts, the yeah. zooms, and like when they I'm want not going to finish my hollandaise in time. Yeah, that kind of shit. yeah. Which the point is, you know, so synonymous with food TV that people make memes about that. You see, you know, you see the picture of Gordon Ramsay yelling at someone and they're crying. And right. I feel like that's what most food TV has turned into. Well, Gordon Ramsay kind of started it, I think, with Hell's Kitchen. I think that was one of the I think Hell's Kitchen was one of the first to really ramp that drama up. Not the first like competition show either. No, though, not like, at all. But just the first one where he's like, you know. Fucking Dubri, you know, like yeah. sweating the sauce Dubri. Yeah. Put it in the bin. Yeah. The, you took it out of the bin. I like that like, you're a shit sandwich. Jean That's Philippe. one of my favorite lines. John Philippe, shut it down. <laughs> shut it down with like the customers being like, I never got served. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, this is. Um, That's really entertaining. And uh, like that, well, I remember the first season, like one of the guys was like, his, he previously worked at a prison. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was like, like the people they got were like handpicked to fail oh absolutely you know i mean that makes it's there it's a tv show you know it's not real life they're i'm pretty sure it's like girls out versus guys if i'm not mistaken i thought it oh was. i blue kitchen red kitchen right. guys and girls yeah yo wellington 
Look at this. Look, look at Would this. Would you serve it's this it. Wellington? <laughs> I appreciate Gordon Ramsay's. Um, he's pretty clever. With I'm sure he has a writer that's feeding him lines at some point, but <laughs> yeah, you know, like, a lot I mean, of it's he says be... the fuck part, and he says a lot of things about. There's that great. Tell video. her the cow is mooing. Tell her it's crying. <laughs> that kind of shit. Like you'll cry. The cow is mooing. It's so <laughs> rare. But I personally, my favorite Gordon Ramsay show was Kitchen Nightmares. Oh, yeah. Because that was I loved these that people. show is tight. And you were like, wow, like you opened a restaurant. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, like when you it's a restaurant that the dining room, like where the dining room turns into the kitchen, like half the kitchen is carpeted and shit. Like, yeah, right. That wild. Well, and, they're like, and he's like, what is this in the walk in? They're like, it's like, something uh, from three years ago. <laughs> Or yeah. something and like that actually is there like you can't even stage that incriminating businesses on live tele- yeah. or not live but on television like right. walking in and him being like smell this and staff refusing to smell yeah, it yeah i like it though i like my favorite part of that show is always his first dinner like when he first shows up and they feed him they ask him they, what's good and they're yeah. like uh, and they think they're like really hitting him with like the restaurants like specialties he's really gonna like the it. food runner comes in and she's like yeah. he really hated it <laughs> it's like what yeah, he hated this it. is our signature Hardly dish hated it. this show's gonna go terrible this is my grandmother's recipe this is my grandmother's what do you mean he hates recipe? it <laughs> i like that they they most of those people mm. their pride is so high that they just deny it to him oh totally he'd be like it's awful and do you, know, do you enjoy minute, this the minute he left they went right back to the way they were doing things 100 percent Hundred percent. That's got to be one of the biggest food shows of all time. Honestly, I mean, Kitchen Nightmares. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think I think it definitely that show was the the height of like reality TV for food, not like cooking competition reality. True. TV. Yeah. But as far as like the the closest you can get to actually being exciting with some kind of expose, because yeah. you're like, wow, like even I'm as jaded and wanting to hate them, but like, this is crazy. Yeah. Like, look I at, can't look believe he ate the ravioli. Oh yeah, when he first he's first eating and he's just like it's garbage, <laughs> it's shit. I like when he pukes. Oh yeah, he, like, he eats and he'll he'll get up and yeah. walk over and puke, or he'll puke into a napkin. Yeah, because you know, like, Spit there's no out. way, like, you know, it's bad, but like, I feel like he pukes in most episodes. He spits it out yeah. and he's puking, and he's like, I'm, like, I'm gonna be sick. He like gets out and walks outside. Like, come on, you, you know like, you these embellish. People can't even put together to serve him dishes that don't make him sick. Yeah, <laughs> and all they're cooking for is him. He's always alone in the restaurant, or it's, <laughs> it's full like, of like ninety year olds. Right. I think you gotta remember. I'm a, I'm a young boy as far as restaurants go. You so are. Some, a young I'm aged boy. out of some of the you know OG shit. I know, and it's funny because most people would think I was aged out of a lot of OG shit. You know, it's like um, I don't know, but I mean, you were like still. I think the 2000s, you were watching plenty of yeah food TV. Absolutely. Well, I, mean, I guess I guess I guess now that I think about it, you were eight in the year 2000, whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was nine. But like, that's what I was saying. Like, kind of when that shit really started popping off, I was watching it with my mom. So like it was certainly yeah. going in, but I didn't really start watching food TV until I started working in restaurants. Cause that's when it really yep. became real. And what was it then? I mean, it was anything that Anthony Bourdain was on. Okay. Um, Anthony he, Bourdain. I mean, obviously, I mean, everybody has an opinion on Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. Um, it's generally a favorable one uh, yeah. as it should be because he's, he, he's everything that he says he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, the legacy that man left in a very short period of time, because people forget that Kitchen Confidential came out, I think it was 1999. Uh, he was already like 43 or something like that yeah. when that came out. And in, in 19, 19 years, like the what he went from this guy who was like randomly writing, but still having to work in restaurants all the time. Right. I mean, it's kind of a piece of literature that anyone who really not necessarily considers himself a chef, but like anyone who's worked in restaurants long enough, you like you, you kind of have to read that book. You absolutely have to read that book. And you have to also read it to remember what restaurants were like before. Because yeah. they don't like that anymore. No. I mean, like, 
people you don't get treated like shit anymore which i guess is good right but at the same time like you lose that edge and you lose all of that sort of i guess i like to talk about the people reminisce about being treated like shit in restaurants yeah because it was like it's crazy you felt like it was an achievement because you were it's like a badge of honor you're like oh i served under that guy yeah oh the you guys think you're whatever he used to do this chef was smoking a cig in the kitchen as (laughs) if people brought their produce in yeah that kind of shit that would be just i remember well the restaurants that i i started in were the kind of place where you go and like i remember there was one time where as a server you'd order a glass of wine and i didn't know you just put the glass on the bar and then the bartender would pour the wine into it. Mm-hmm. So I remember I ordered it and I'm sitting there and he just looked at me and started pouring wine all over the bar. And he's like, you know, fucking put a glass up anytime soon. <laughs> you know, <laughs> things like that that you can't do anymore. Yeah. But they build character at the same time, in right. my opinion. That was always like, to me, the restaurants were always like the last refuge for people who didn't want to be sensitive to other people's needs. And that's why you get all these characters. And that's why Kitchen Confidential was so revealing to people because a lot of people they didn't you, you didn't know about that life if you weren't in it like you didn't know no different world i mean i comes back to when you you're you know dealing whether it's back of house and your food runner waitress brings a ticket back because the front of the you know the customer came up with some crazy thing that they oh this isn't what i asked for or if you're front of house which deals with the brunt of it like you know dealing with a customer if they've never worked in a restaurant 100 you can literally pin it just by the way they talk to you uh, the things that they ask for when they're ordering food. It's its that kind of person that if you're, I feel like everyone should have to work like a work study in their life in a restaurant, like work six months in a restaurant. You should, before you graduate high school, you should have to do that. Also work in a retail store where you have to fold stuff and people always come and destroy your Mess pile your of folded pile stuff up. the minute you finish it. I guess any customer service job. <laughs> yeah, really. really. That customer service job where it involves um, a clientele that feels entitled over you. 100%. Like it's not like working in a bank. Like when you work in some place where they feel like you're their servant restaurants, retail, you know, I've heard some of the most insane shit I've heard leave people's mouths have been on the clock in a restaurant. Yeah, that's it's crazy. Like a lot of well, not a, I guess not a lot of customers, but there's customers who will come into a restaurant and just like forget that they're speaking to a human. <laughs> it's wild. Think? It's wild. Yeah, no, it's um, fucked and up, I know man. like anyone, anyone listening to these podcasts, I mean, probably works in restaurants and or right. have or is going to in some aspect. Hopefully so they we, get it. Hopefully we it. inspire future servers here. That's our uh, <laughs> yeah. that's what we aim take, to do take this and say, you know what? I yeah. can do that. I could do if that asshole can do it. That I can nice. definitely do that. Yeah, I agree. With that. I think that everybody should have to do that. And I think that Bourdain, he was the first one to really honestly you tell get that story. He told that story. He didn't edit it. It was just, and it felt so good to read it. And it also justified a lot of, you know, your own habits. If you were doing those things at the time, like, oh, yeah. everybody else does this. That's great. And then, you know, he, he, in his career, like it was very, you know, methodical. It wasn't like he skyrocketed to start him. I mean, he was obviously, you know, he made a lot of money world. off that. But then he did a Cook's Tour, which was like a, definitely a good first TV show. Yep. Um, it had its moments where he ate like the Cobra Heart and all that. And <laughs> Actually, that was the first time I met him was in 2005, a girl I was dating at the time. We She worked for a company that put on like food trade shows, and he was scheduled to appear at this thing. And for some reason, we ended up like picking him up at the airport, bringing him to the show, like kind of like being his assistant for the day, like running his Q&A and stuff. Then we brought him back to the airport after. And I remember he was just hanging. He smoked a lot of butts and at one point was talking about how Charlie Trotter like cooked like a chef who had never been properly fucked in his whole life. Uh, <laughs> that I remember. I remember like looking in the back seat and having him back there smoking butts. And I was like the words that came no out of his mouth. Yeah, yeah. But he was awesome. He was gracious, polite. You know, really good guy. But I think then you know parts unknown, not parts unknown. Um, no reservations really was, took its yeah. 
That took it to the next level. I mean, North Division's had a lot of seasons. My favorite is still just for obvious reasons. Weren't there like 13 seasons of that Yeah, show? it was a, a long-running thing. And my favorite was the Josh Hame one with him in the Southwest Desert where he meets up with Josh Hame, Queens of the Stone Age. And oh, like, yeah. Uh, I've watched it probably 28 times. I think I have the episode memorized. Most of those episodes had like another celebrity guest in some aspect. They did, yeah. Or, or they were the first ones to really show us things like like Mart Martin Picard and, and Joe Beef and those guys. Yeah. Like he really did a he was kind of putting those guys in the in the spotlight. So no reservations went on for a while. And, and I don't know if there's anything that stood out to you in particular uh in that series afterwards. Uh there was a show called that was very short-lived because I think his contract ran out with Travel Channel, or whatever. It was called The Layover. And he would like, do you ever watch that? I'm it rings a lot of bells. I feel like a lot of his shows kind of blur into this. The same entity to me anyways yeah. like it they, yeah it's they kind of watch the same because he has the same mood he doesn't change for what the show is he's just himself right. and cameras are on him it's more like what era of bourdain was yeah. this yeah he always he dresses the same and so i mean like the yeah. layover is it like goes to a town for two days or Where, day. i think he has like a 24-hour period like a 24-hour layover i was gonna say there um, rings a bell the interesting thing a day of, in a place right the interesting thing about the layover i think was that he at that point seemed pretty over it with like travel channel yeah and so he'd like, he like get like TV. really drunk and stuff yeah it was kind of funny he was very he's being very like really letting it loose this is what entertaining. you get. yeah exactly and then of course Parts Unknown happens, which I think, you know, if you watch like the episode. It was a steady incline. I feel like that was like. Absolutely. The, like, he the never peak, took a dip. Like, yeah. no one was like, oh, well, this one wasn't so good. It was like he just gained fans. Yeah. His entire, you know, kind of since the book. Yeah. I mean, that was really like the peak. And that's. And then he started putting cookbooks out again. Right. Later. I mean, kind of a few years after that show came out. He did. Yeah. And that's, that's, two, actually, it was like 13 or 14 or more. Yeah. I have the original The Hall cookbook, which is amazing. Yeah, that was the big one. But. Um, but parts unknown, like you watch it and you like, you watch like that Congo episode or like Detroit or Libya. And you're like, this is so beyond a food show. Absolutely. It's like, it's, it's a fully full culture. He gets yeah. completely immersed. Yeah. And it goes beyond food. I mean, he's a lot of it's about the people that are cooking the food where he's at. Yeah. Um, which is really, really nice to see. You're not going to do a food show in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Yeah. Because there's not a lot of food there. Right. <laughs> you know, it's kind of obnoxious to like, but that's not what it's about. It's like Anthony Bourdain and his whole obsession with like Heart of Darkness, like yeah. Joseph Conrad and stuff. And I mean, there's episodes of him like meeting people in a village and then going into their living rooms and eating. Like, yeah, that's the coolest shit in the world. Like, yes. That's the shit that I'm saying. Like, it's not someone in a you know on a soundstage cooking as fast as they can he meets these people and they take them into their home and he's meeting them and learning about their family and why they're cooking the food they're cooking and that's what separates him from guy fieri like you can be a big celebrity and you can be a food celebrity and you can even be a pretty good guy but like what made anthony bourdain deserve all the fame that he had was that exact scene that you're describing hyper normal like it's right you're not you're not going to watch a show where guy fieri is like like in libya like right. in someone's house. Well, Guy Fieri, like, like by default, he doesn't even choose to. He like forces American culture on people just by being himself. Yeah. Just by looking like that. Yeah. Like you go to Libya looking like Guy Fieri, like you're forcing American culture oh, for on sure. other people. You're whereas not, you never hear Anthony Bourdain saying like those wings are gangster. No, you don't hear him say yeah. that at all. And you just but just as like the whole spiky blonde hair and like fiery He's a cartoon character. He's a cartoon character. Whereas Bourdain is like a cultural ambassador. Um, yeah. who shows you how you can res- you know how how to respect other people. Absolutely. And not just treat everybody like they're less than you, like a lot of Americans tend to do when they travel. Yeah. I think we should definitely talk about cooking competition shows. The only thing that you can do to make a 
a cooking competition less appealing to me is to do a kid's version of it. Which they do, I'm pretty sure. No, they do with all of them. They do like oh. Chopped for Kids, MasterChef Kids. So you even play The nice? Great Bake Off Kids. And you're like, the last thing I need is, is to watch arrogant children who are being told how great they are. I'm pretty sure <laughs> Gordon Ramsay does one with kids. No, MasterChef. I've, you know, I've seen like yeah. shots of him screaming at children. Well, doesn't he's not as harsh with the kids, but. Right, MasterChef. Yeah. That's the one, MasterChef Kids. That's insane. It's just like well, it's, kids aren't watching it. Adults are watching no, that shit. The kids are the adults are watching it to be like, oh, and the kids are doing it to be like, I'm gonna have a, a really. The kids are doing it because I'm their parents be are like, you're very doing narcissistic show. person. When I grow up, I already am one. But watch this now. Uh, watch me how, make a Japanese style omelet. Who the hell realizes that the kids are doing a cooking competition show when they're like seven? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't those know are those are just like 2019 like pageant parents. Yes, that is the the, the the new pageant parent is like the you're one who's be like, a hey, chef on TV. when they're three, they're like, you're going to learn to scramble eggs. You're going to be an Iron Chef. Yeah, you're going to be, it's like Mozart's dad, basically. Or no, <laughs> Beethoven's dad, who is the one who is like, you have to, you're 12, but we're going to say you're seven. <laughs> People are going to. To make it more impressive. Yeah, because he was jealous of Mozart. I think Mozart's dad was a hard ass, too. I mean, they all were, you know, they just you know, assume. Michael Jackson's dad in the works. Yeah. All the child prodigy. Like, it's not a good life. Like, how many child prodigies have really grown up into a well-adjusted, happy person? How many big chefs now were child prodigies? Price, I don't Probably know. none. I'm sure Grant Atkins wasn't. Well, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm but, curious, I guess, now to see if any future big time chefs were like, oh, my, I started my days on, you know, ch- nine-year-old chopped. You know what? I'm not. Probably curious. not. I'm not curious at all. I hope I never see any of those kids ever again. So what do you watch Food Network currently? Do you watch a lot of food TV right now? Or? I don't have cable, so I watch a lot of it like on streaming. On purposes. Netflix and all that. Yeah. 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 To be honest, I, 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 I watch Guy Fieri's stuff quite a bit. Like Triple D? Triple D. It's a very comforting show to watch. You, know? yeah. you can kind of like, you can sort of just put it on in the background. Or yeah. if you're like hungover or you're like going through withdrawals or something. Uh, you can just put it on and it's like, okay, I can get my mind off it. I watched, I watched uh, Ugly Delicious. I watched that on Netflix. Did you like Ugly Delicious? Because yes I don't like no. David Chang personally. No. When I was talking about Guy Fury at the very beginning of this That's, episode, no. I was talking about somebody who seemingly appreciates what he has. Hyper but, arrogant though, like David Chang. Well, what I'm saying is that David Chang does not seem to appreciate no. how famous he is for what he actually did. I thought I liked that show until the episode where he does pizza. Yeah. Um, is that the first one? <laughs> that'd be funny if it was. <laughs> I think it and is. That's, that's, that, that's <laughs> the one that sticks out the most to me anyways. Because yeah. like conceptually, cool show. Because like the concept is like not all good food is pretty. Like that's the thing. Yeah. Right? It's ugly right. delicious. Bro. Right. Yeah. Which is like when you hear the in a movie, they say the name of the movie like during it. That's the kind of shtick, right? Like he pretty sure he says ugly delicious a fucking twenty times. <laughs> that's yeah, that's what's my catchphrase. It, it's ugly, ugly delicious. That's ugly delicious. But like conceptually, I like that show because you see like what normal people know of pizza, like people who order Domino's and stuff right. like that. And then you right, see like doesn't he work as like a Domino's and pizza? And it's yeah. like it's only if it's you know this cheese and it's sauce from this area. Like so, like conceptually cool, but he does it. So pompously and yeah. terribly, he like he's shaming this delivery guy, right? Because he doesn't he go he, as a delivery guy, yeah, but he's like talking shit. Like, yeah, he's like, Look at guy. your shitty life. I'm just this is fun doing to impersonate you. Yeah, he's like, do mm, I like Domino's, it's not pizza, it's its own thing. And he's like totally degrading the people that yeah. work in this restaurant. I don't, I don't like that. It's like, guy. that's I watched the show, 
because it came out and you know someone's like well, you're gonna watch the show it's so good right so i watched it and like a couple episodes were cool i mean he goes and he's meeting people doing like stuff with sushi that hasn't been done before yeah and i don't know it's i like seeing both ends of that food spectrum but not when it's because you're showing the lesser and talking bad about it which is what kind of what he does in that show and have you ever wondered how i stay so pretty uh, so healthy looking. My skin is such a refreshing glow. Why I'm so heart smart and always on the go, always at the gym. Uh, I can attribute that to Tourmaline Spring Water, which I pretty much drink exclusively. And he was like, do you really make your coffee with it? Uh, like you say on all the other episodes. And yes, I do. But it's delicious. I right? really like that. It's really, it's very soft. It's soft. It's got, it's just pure and clean. It's like the water itself, the whole thing about it is that it comes straight out of a spring and it's bottled with no treatment. And the spring is not like just some place in the middle of the forest out of like a, a, a hole. It's like an actual, this like stone building with this like crazy thing with like a metal cover and you open it up and they, they ladle you the water into like a glass made of turmaline, really, and it's amazing. That's insane. So I drank it right from the spring. That, that sounds like a treat. It's awesome. It's so awesome. But the water is delicious, and I can and I can say that like the best, the biggest proof of it is people that I know that have tried it, who are people that would never ever comment on water being any different from one another. That are just like water's water people. Yeah. Or always like this water's really good. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I, I I'm almost on mine. And then they also, uh, there are three companies sort of under the same umbrella. It's so a Termline Spring and also the Amethyst Elixir uh, CBD drops, which are, as they refer to them, pure gem grade. So not that crunchy herbal rave shit. Uh, <laughs> not, that, not that free base. CBD. Not that free base. Uh, the good thing about it is it's completely water soluble. So it tends to hit the bloodstream a lot faster. It makes everything pretty much taste like marijuana water. Yep. Having some. I'm enjoying some right now. Yeah. I like it when you Tasty. Yeah, right. It's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have a glass, you know, <laughs> you know, won't mind if I do. So fall asleep before the end of this podcast. Yeah. And then the last company under the umbrella is the Living Nuts. And of course, the S is spelled with a Z here. And the deal with these is that they are over a two day process. They are, are sprouted rather than roasted, which gives them really nice texture and retains a lot of the nutritional value. What do you think of those? Uh, it's like a guilt free combo. It, it is because these are like these are the what's the actual flavor called? This one is um, old world Italian herbs. But they really could just call it pizza, pizza. because it tastes like pizza. It, it tastes combos. like the best combo I've ever had. Yeah, it's delicious. Like I, I couldn't believe how good those were, and I was, and it wasn't. It was way before the show that uh, my friend who does the who is part of the the business brought the samples to me to try. Yeah. I feel like you could crush these and like put them on fish. Yes, be really good. Absolutely, and actually, I've always wanted to try the the raw pecans. I want to make a pecan pie with it. Ooh. I feel like that texture would be really nice. So, uh, yes. Yeah, Where so, are these from? Living Nuts. They're from Maine. Uh, I don't know. They're very good. Yeah, Bowden we like we, we like them here. Where? Bowdenham. Oh, Bowdenham. Actually, I knew that. Bowdenham. Yes, I used to work with Bowdenham. So Bowdenham, and then the uh, the spring is in Harrison. So, yes, those are we, we like pairing. them, and we use them ex we use them exclusively here. They pair nicely with the soft water. They do pair with the soft water. It's all, it's all, it all makes sense. Strategic, yeah. It's a circle of life, just like blank. Um, <laughs> also, <laughs> so our second sponsor, uh, which I know that you're a fan of as I am, is uh, Blythe and Burroughs. Yeah. Uh, a bar in Portland's Old Port. They are at 26 Exchange Street. Uh, you can check them out at blytheandburroughs.com. B-L-Y-T-H, do not add an E. B-L-Y-T-H. A-N-D-B-U-R-R-O-W-S.com, Blythe and Burroughs. People always add an E to it. Yeah. And that's um, not actually a thing. 
No, I've, spelling's hard for people. People don't love to spell, and that's, you know, that's that's their problem. Uh, so Black Forest is cool because it's a cocktail bar, but it doesn't have that, like, arrogant, obnoxious mixologist feel to it. It's like, yeah. basically, they take, you know, their cocktails are separated into four categories. It's like the America's Navy Strength, Silk Road, and Old World. So they have this sort of, like, loose organization. But it changes... Semi-frequently. It changes semi-frequently, and it's also a lot of drinks that are like for people who like drinks that don't necessarily taste like bitters yes. or chartreuse or whatever. They have all that stuff too, but like it's, it's, it's something for everybody on that list. I mean, they're as, very drinkable, but they're also like art cocktails in a sense. Some of yeah. them are like very cool. Like I had one there the other day that had like some rice paper that looked like a tablecloth, and there was actual ants in it. I was literally just about to bring that up. <laughs> the the cocktail they do with the uh, with the black ants, which I did a, a story for Downey's Magazine on Entosense, where they get like those citrus. from. They're delicious. They're like caviar in texture. They come in a little caviar tin, and they're very citrusy they're very and tangy. Good. Yeah, they're really good. So I was like, I'd take a sip, and then I'd eat an ant. And then I'd take a sip, yeah. and I'd eat an ant. I love it, man. I was I, I, I think and that's great. And they do like, you know, smoked cocktails. And... Yeah. But it's not all that. It's like, you can, get you can also classic. get- yeah, cocktails. you can get a classic cocktail. They have a delicious food, and their steam buns are really good. The, yeah, the the, the 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 bow. The bow. Yeah, and then the oysters. For people like me who just like a whole like a big glass of liquor uh, with nothing else in it, it's great for me too. Yeah, Happy to Josh sit is there. great. Uh, his staff yeah. is great. We got a bunch of buddies that work there. Yeah, it's it's and it's a short walk from friendly. the high roller, so I go there quite a bit. Well, exactly. <laughs> it's it, that's the beauty of it. I think is that it's it. The whole vibe of the place, and to me, it has this interesting nostalgia to it from like when I worked in clubs, it's immersive. And like the early offs, but it's immersive. And then they have, of course, they have the random, you know, through the bookcase bar downstairs. But like to me, I like sitting at that bar right when you walk in or right up, up the stairs, and the staff is great. And I think we can both agree on. Uh, I like going there in the winter. Bars. You get a nice steamed out window. Yeah, it's really. Uh, it's a great winter bar. I love that place. It's very warm. The, the lighting is nice. The music's always great. Hmm. We like Blythe and Burrows. And we are back now with Andy Gary from the High Roller Lobster Co., the uh, co-chef and co-owner. Uh, High Roller Lobster is on Exchange Street in Portland, Maine. They started as a food cart and have risen to glory in their current states. Now, you also, you, you partnered with uh, with Bissell Brothers. Yeah, so the, the founders are me and Baxter Key. Uh, we started the cart, you know, almost five years ago. We always, our second day of business ever was at Bissell Brothers Brewing. So we kind of created this relationship with Pete. Uh, early on um and over the years he was always like you know if you ever guys if you want to take this to the next level i'd love to be involved he's like i've always wanted to have a hand in a restaurant i just like i've got too much on my plate right now to like start from scratch um and we literally stumbled upon a place just shy of two years I, I, actually like two years ago that was like a, a restaurant that was no longer it was like literally it was turnkey it just needed to get redecorated essentially so i called pete and i was like hey remember when you said that like you were uh interested to be involved if we took this like to the, this to the next level He's like, yeah. And I was like, how, like, how serious was that? It's like, I'm pretty serious. I was like, I'm standing in a place that could be the high roller. Um, so him and Baxter came down and looked at it and we, uh, we rallied. And I think two weeks later we signed the lease. Nice. So it was pretty crazy. And then we weren't even awesome. looking for a restaurant yeah. though. That was the thing. Right. Like we were like casually like looking at spots just through the it's window. It's like a relationship. You can't force it. Yeah. It literally. You just happened. know it's right. Exactly. When the we more, saw the place, we're like, this, this is it. The like, harder you look it. for it, the less it's going to materialize for you. Yeah. People who don't cook every day, yeah, who grew up in homes where, I mean, again, I'm not speaking for everyone, but growing up in a home where I think you touched on it in one of your other episodes where you came home and dinner was dinner. That was the option you got. 
Yeah. Cook food is, I mean, especially for me, food is just always being made no matter what time of day it was like, there's some, there's something cooking. Like, I mean, most days it was cereal for breakfast, but like on a Sunday it was like bacon and eggs for breakfast and yeah. that kind of thing. So like when people grow up and they stop cooking for themselves, cooking becomes nostalgic because yeah. they grew up where around cooking literally in the house they lived in. And then if they're not doing it into adulthood, they watch cooking, whether it's some conscious, some conscious or not. Right. To, Cause it's familiar. It's well, they're like, yeah, I, like I had a gardens like my mom. You know, like she just it was all about just spending the whole day prepping this random meal, this like, oh, feast, yeah. you know, like the way the house would smell. And like you can watch Barefoot Contessa and you sort of get that feeling where I'm like, God, I feel like like what I really want is like wake up in this house and like the woods on a lake on like Thanksgiving Day and come down and like pour a glass of champagne. It's like just treat. have like panoramic windows and views of the woods. And all I can smell is Thanksgiving cooking there's like gotta be, in a garden. There's got to be a candle that smells like a turkey. Right. right. How I mean, comforting is that? They make Christmas trees. Why yeah, don't they make candles? Why can't they make turkey candles? Yeah. I don't, you and know. I mean, would I smell it? Yeah. Would I buy it? Probably not. Well, you and me, you know, all you have to do is make turkey stock. That's the best turkey yeah, candle true. you yeah. can roll with. I feel like it's worth also at this point discussing, you know, not, food TV. I think I think that web series are definitely considered food TV at this point. Uh, so there's a couple I'd like to touch on. First on, what, what are your, what's your opinion of Action Bronson? I... You used to listen to a lot of Action Bronson. Um, like his music. His mu- Yeah, his music. Yeah. Not that I don't anymore per se, but I thought it was funny that he became kind of a food icon, what se- seemingly overnight. Yeah. Because he was this rapper who, you know, got popular because people said he sounded like Ghostface, which is like his thing. They sound pretty similar. They Do both, they? He they sounds both, like Tony Starks. They both rap about food. And then he started doing, I don't know if uh, Fuck That's Delicious came out before that was the first thing whether like because he had a sh- well he had like a lot of clips of himself right but on it, the web like, but it wasn't a show no but he would at the same time he'd get people like josh oshersky or, or mario batali and but yeah. i don't know how well i think he was like a he was just so weird i think and he probably cooked i mean it seems like he cooked in a lot of kitchens yeah like i think no, he probably he raps worked about at uh, yeah, quite a bit he knows like baba or whatever he, he raps about cooking like with with knowledge Right. Um, not just like I'm eating a chicken sandwich. Like he raps about fancy meats and yeah. like um, <laughs> stuff that makes sense to people who know meats. food. Yeah. Um, which is really cool because I feel like he hit a lot of bases for people who listened to hip hop and worked in kitchens because they're like, oh, that's cool. He's one of he, he's my people rapping about food. My my brother is a rapper. He raps about food because that's all he's known. He's worked in restaurants only ever. But I I started watching his you know fuck that's delicious and then he brings around. Uh, Mayhem Loren, yep. which is another guy who is like a rapper who seemingly knows quite a bit about food. There are these two guys like from the Bronx who seem to be able to yeah. cook. They want to talk about some slippery shrimp, you know? Yeah, <laughs> but they, they're they really entertaining to watch because yeah. talking about like people who know food but are really down to earth, like they come off as down to earth as it gets. I mean, they're right. guys who grew up work, working in kitchens and rapping and then People are like, oh, these guys are like cool and funny and they like to eat good food. I like that he makes me look skinny. That's what I enjoy about him. I, I met him. He came, him and May and Lauren came to the restaurant. Yeah. Oh, and cool. Yeah. So they played in Portland and uh, I met Mayhem Lauren like three or four years ago. We were set up at Oxbow yeah. um, with the food cart. Yeah. And he did one of those hip hops nights at Oxbow. Nice. And yeah. he heard we were going to be there the next day. So he came back before he left town and ate everything on our menu. Okay. I didn't know who he was at the time ate all of our food and he was like here's my cd handed us like a stack of five cds yeah and i like it was in my car one time and one of my buddies i was like 
yo, you listen to Mayhem Loren? I was like, what? I don't know who the fuck that is. And I was like, that guy <laughs> gave me a CD. He was like, this guy gave you a CD? I was like, yeah, he ate everything we had on the menu. He's like, oh, this guy's like sick. He's a cool rapper. But when we he came and ate our food, he was right. like, yo, if you're ever in New York, he's like, hit me up. And he gave me his, he put his phone number in my phone. Yeah. And I, again, I didn't know who he was. I was like, all right, th- cool, dude. And then I was like, oh, he's like a, a famous rapper who yeah. gave me his phone number to hit him up. So then like years down the road, I was going to New York with Hyrule to do a pop-up. And I hit him up. I was like, yo, like we're going to be in New York. Like you trying to come through? And he's like, yep. Apples and oranges. He never came through. <laughs> oh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> they, they, they performed in Portland. I think it was at the State Theater. Yes. Um, less than a year ago. Yep. And he, he texted me. He's like, yo, we're coming. I was like, all right, yeah. And he's like, he got me into the show towards the end of the show. He's like, come see me at the merch table. So like we, I went up and I like skipped the line and went to the end and security was like, go to, go to the back of the line. And he goes, Hey, and security, <laughs> security guard says, and he goes, that's my friend. So I like went up and shot the shit with him for a minute. And he said, what's the address? And I was like, one of four exchange. Yeah. Um, and sure as shit, they came through and him in action. Oh yeah. And like 14 other people. Oh, and sure. like half of them were like, you know, we want like, where else do we have to get food? And I was like, well, oh, it was right next door. And they do like Creole, like yeah. fried chicken and jambalaya. And so half of them went to O and half of them went to High Roller and they chilled for quite a while. Actually, Ronson is so much bigger than you think. There's, <laughs> I put, I, I mean, he looks huge. Yeah, I, I got a He's never tall, though. That's why that's he the so thing. Huge. Yeah. Your weight gets distributed differently when you're not as tall. Yes. I'm a pretty big guy. Thank God I'm tall. And I. I've got a photo of me between the two of them and I look like a baby boy. I look like a, I look like yeah, a you're young not a small child. guy. Like you're not fat, but you're like, no, not I'm, a small I'm, guy. I'm, yeah. I'm broad. I'm like six right. two and they make me look like a tiny boy. Jeez. He's funny. But it's like, cool. I want to like, sometimes I kind of feel but like he's like a food weed guy too. That's his other well, that's thing. The he's, thing. Like like weed he's like weed. Yeah. We, and, and, and I want to, sometimes I'm like, is he like a one trick pony? Um, but at the same time, I'm like, no, he's just a guy who, this is his personality. He's just, Again, somebody who appreciates how fortunate he is to have a show where somebody wants to follow him around yeah. and talk about the things he eats. And uh, I mean, I didn't think the cookbook was that great. It's a, it's a coffee table book. It's not. It, a yeah, because I'm like, dude, this is like a whole thing about you eating Crispix over the sink, which I get. That's great. And they, yeah, Crispix are delicious. That, I have that book and there's maybe six recipes in it. I mean, so what do you think about Matty Matheson? I like Matty Matheson. Like he and I was a late bloomer with him. Yeah. A lot of people were always because I kind of same when I when I first saw him, I was like, that guy <sighs> is an Action Bronson ripoff. Well, you're just like, it's another first. guy who swears a lot and has a lot of tattoos. I was like, if you have if you weigh 300 plus pounds and you have tattoos, Vice will give you a TV show. Well, they didn't give me a fucking TV show. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually was talking with them at one point before they went with Action Bronson. <laughs> but but yeah. so that's the thing. Like I when I first he kind of got into the public eye, I was like. This is an Action Bronson ripoff. Um, I think I kind of like him more as far as food goes than I do Action Bronson. Well, he's more he's more of a well spoken. He's more he's more articulate and he is in like our rap we're talking about. He's less of a stoner, too. So it makes him more interesting to listen to. I mean, yeah, I got nothing against people getting really high, but I'm like, okay, you get the higher you get, the less interesting you get to listen to. Yeah, Um, actually, that reminds me. So not to jump away from Matty Matheson, but we'll get back to him. Speaking about the weed and food, I saw an online show that they it's people who cook with weed but what's it called it's called it's on netflix or something right yeah or what uh hi yeah definitely has high in the name yes it does but it's like is it good because i saw i looked at no, it and i was like this is no good either this could be terrible it's terrible yeah it's um, like the other show like is it worth it or whatever where it they up. go and have like 
three tiers of expensive. Like we have $15 sushi, we have $50, then we have $300. And I'm like, oh, that's an interesting concept. And then you watch it and you're and like, dude, you up. guys fucked it up. In which we could probably segue right now into Epic Mealtime, which I think was a pretty that revolutionary food show. I mean, of gluttonous, like, but so entertaining. 500,000 calories. Well, they would keep that calorie counter. I don't know if they kept doing that. I mean, I, I they still everything, make had those. Ba- everything had bacon, everything had bourbon. Oh, right. Jack, Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels. Yeah. We're going to cook with a lot of Jack Daniels. So that guy, <laughs> I forget his Harley. name. Harley. He yeah. has, you can buy like his. Branded food products in yeah. the Walmart's and shit. Well, he'd now. be crazy not to do that. Him and Muscles glasses. Yeah, I mean, like you got people that take off as characters like that. But Epic Meal Time, I think, what the appeal was for all of us, and I'm assuming you too, in the beginning, like, yes, this is gluttonous and ridiculous, but these guys can cook. Yeah, no, they knew what they were doing, but I feel like it was mostly like no one in their fifties was watching Epic Meal Time. No, you know, it was geared no. for a very specific, which audience. is why you and I are talking probably about it right people now. <laughs> who were watching it while smoking weed. I'm probably the cutoff at 40. Yeah. Well, and I know people <laughs> like watched that, not to say they replicated any of those recipes, but I, that's like when you're high in your home and you like don't have ingredients to make any particular dish. And you kind of like make this modge podge of ingredients into this like disaster piece. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I mean, those, those, that style of video, inspired like tasty you know have you seen that shit like tasty is a, a like an online publication yes, you does, always like, see the, the, like the construction the of the food yes it's like hands and plate basically and it shows like one cup of sugar yeah two pillsbury dough things that you roll out like that's the kind of shit that like no one's doing that on food network or travel channel these online food cooking shows and publications are Gaining a lot of traction because they're easy. They're like on Instagram. They're and inexpensive. Like you to can produce. slide across and they're really yeah easy to produce. I mean, it's like a, a mounted camera. People are making them by themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but Epic Mealtime, I think there was like they all. So the, so the characters sort of developed with the show. And I think at one point they started taking it a little too far with that. They had this one show called like the episode was called just like shit show. And it was them in like a limo. Talking about like YouTube money and all this stuff. And well, they like, all no, no. get hammered. They all get genuinely Which is fine. fucked up. But I think that they forget that what makes it entertaining is that they're getting hammered, but they're also doing this cool stuff, this obnoxious stuff. And so when they sort of like, like, oh, it's just, we're going to make this just about our personalities, That's not about the not food. not why we think people were watching. People like, sort of started to, you know, take a step back from it. And I think they realized that early enough. Uh, I haven't watched But there were some that were just so That guy ridiculous. has this TV show now, too, I think. He Harley. has a food truck that his face is on. Oh, and he, oh yeah. And he can do that. It actually, it's funny. Um, I will segue from that into... Um, Another what I think is another great food web series is Hot Ones. I love Hot Ones. So Hot Ones, I think, is a great is more for the the current generation. Uh, It's smarter, obviously, than just watching Epic Meal Time. That's a great show. It's a great concept. You get such an amazing range of people on it. If you haven't watched Hot Ones, um, it's on uh, First We Feast is the kind of the the network. And I've actually done a little writing for them. And basically, the 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 guests are interviewed while eating. 10 chicken wings that are increasingly hotter, different sauces uh, throughout the interview. Unless it's the girls from Broad City, they did fried cauliflower because they're vegetarians. Um, There's a couple of people who have done like cauliflower or some. Uh, Rachel Ray just did it on a spoon. She just ate the the hot sauce off a spoon. Uh, Flava Flav. uh, Oh, he was on it? Started at 10. He did it. Oh, he starts at 10. Um, that's and awesome. He, I mean, that's actually he may drink it from the bottle. I don't remember, but I know he starts at ten, and yeah. it's a nightmare. He like yeah. freaks out and like breaks character, and like 
is like kicking and flopping in a couch. Yeah, there's a reason that you could. There's He's something, been the something called warming up that they do an exercise. It's like putting your toe <laughs> in, the, in the pool right. before jumping in. Yeah. And then your toe, you don't go to 10. Foot, like, and the reason you can, these people, I bet 80% of those guests that get to 10 would not be able to handle 10 if they started with it. Definitely not. No. And he, he people are, Sometimes ask me, well, what if I start at the end? And he's like, uh, You're I think asshole. two people have ever done it. One was Flavor Flav, who, like, um, he has an online cooking show and a cookbook, which is insane. I mean, I guess his name is Flavor, so I oh, guess Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Not Flavor Flav, uh, Coolio. Oh, Coolio. Yeah, Coolio, Coolio. So, we're, so Flavor Flav, not in the equation. Yeah, back So track. Coolio did this with the yeah, hot sauce. Yeah, Coolio starts at 10, not Flavor Flav. Okay. Coolio starts at 10. And he has a, a mental breakdown, basically, on camera. Uh, yes, and I knew Coolio came into High Roller yeah. as well, yeah. Um, and was doing some epic mealtime shit. He came yeah. in, like, at the restaurant, and we were, like, about to close. But I was like, well, I mean, I'm not going to tell Coolio he can't come inside the restaurant. So that's hilarious. He came yeah. in, and we, like, I was like, let's just go to, like, the commissary kitchen downstairs. And we were, like, shotgun oysters, and he was, like, crumbling up, uh, like, flaming Hot Takis and, like, pouring beer on oysters with Takis on them and feeding them people. It was really bizarre. That sounds um, bizarre. I don't think I prefer that uh, as far as being fed stuff. Yeah, but, no, it was So it was on the show, strange. though, on Hot Ones, he failed epically. Failed so bad. And it's like the standard for, like, why you don't start at the hottest. He tells it, like, whenever someone brings it up, he's like, oh, yeah, like, uh, Coolio. Coolio started at 10. You don't want to do it. The best is how DJ Khaled goes out on Tapatio. What? Yeah, he goes out on the second one on Tapatio and he's like, he's like accusing Sean. He's like, we're not eating the same wings. Like, you're cheating. And like, oh, yeah, not a lot of after he fail. makes a big deal out of like having his own chicken wings brought in from his like personal chef, he flips out after eating Tapatio. We don't want him to eat 10 wings. And the best thing is, Sean's like, at one point, he's like, you know, I just don't want people to think that like, you know, I, I gave up. And Sean's like, well, that's exactly what you did is give up. <laughs> like, he's like, dude, you're at number two. Uh, that's insane. I mean, most people. I watch those like pretty frequently. I, I yeah, watch an episode. They're, they're wonderful. I'll, I'll often binge, you know, six episodes. In a I haven't row. watched the Trevor Noah one. That's I'm looking forward to. I haven't seen it. that one. Okay. There's one that I just saw. Tease Stone Cold Steve Austin. His ah, comes out this week. That'd be, um, <laughs> that'd which be I'm great. really excited for. Yeah, the Tenacious D one was very good. And that's like there's he does everyone. Gordon Ramsay actors. He does yeah. chefs. It made me just comedians. fall in love with Padma Lakshmi all over again. Like I love her. Padma, I love you, and I love you on Hot Ones. You're delightful. Yeah, and it's nice because they're short and sweet, and it's cool because they. You can watch that show and you can buy hot sauce. You can buy yeah. their hot sauce, which you is really smart. I have not. That one um, that's the, the very tropical one sounds delicious. Everybody always loves that the best, actually. Yeah, they've got a couple of their own now, which is really yeah. smart because they're getting thousands of views on these. And they you can click their link and buy that hot sauce, which I really like hot sauce. Yeah. Actually, uh, our buddy Nick that works at Harler makes hot sauce. He just started a Hellmouth hot sauce company. Nice. So we've done like... At this point, I think five in-house like collab pop-ups with him mm -hmm. and our food, which is cool. Like we've done like Hellmouth wings for the Super Bowl. I like um, hot food. I don't love like scorpion extracts, yeah. like really heavy extracts that are like taste like gasoline. Like they have to taste good. Yeah, I don't want it so hot that it ruins my meal and like the next meal right. after that. Right. I mean, there's some places like, you know, Bingas and stuff that have Hellfire like sauce. Chernobyl or the fire of 2008. Yeah. There. Basically, they, I know that Chernobyl, when I was there, like bartender there was they just they would just toss the wings with dave's ultimate insanity and that was it that was oh wait fire sauce. sauce well and then the, like they make you sign a waiver and i don't know well that's I, east coast grill used to do that i go to hell night down there yeah or the place that serves you hot sauce and like you need to wear these rubber gloves before yeah, like, you go through. like i don't necessarily like the gimmicky aspect i'm not of gonna name food. any names about stupid places with rubber gloves but Heard. one of them isn't around anymore we'll put it that way Heard. 
<laughs> I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't like that gimmicky aspect. No, of food. gimmicky food things are the worst. Actually, yeah, agreed. Well, that's. I guess it was funny when I invited you here to talk about food TV. I sort of like and immediately. I sort of delved into all my like nineties, uh, you know, old school, early aughts. But then I sort of realized, like, as we've been going, like most of the food stuff I watch now is, is the on YouTube. Yeah. You know, and that's really kind of what it's become, which I think is really interesting how this topic sort of went in that arc. It started out food with things TV. like Iron Chef and Alton Brown, but like really it's hot ones. I mean, they paved the way for these like yeah. short and sweet internet shows. I mean, segments and the the, the days of like this show's on at eight o'clock. I'm going to go home and make sure I see it. Yeah, are those are over. over. They're completely over. I mean, it's to the point where like you can watch anything you want on the internet. I mean, yeah. and that's what people are doing with food. And I'm, you're going to see more and more of it as the years progress. I mean, people are just putting their own content out on their own platform. I mean, shit, I put my own, putting my own content there out go. there for better. And it's just like, it's, it's easier. You can get to more people. The internet is, is pivotal for. It's like, it's like food. what they all thought about Napster when I came out. Everybody's like, well, you know, it's just going to be a, a People fad. need a physical copy of it. Yeah. Food is, I mean, part of the reason why the high roller is where it is, is the internet. You are absolutely a product of that and self-promotion. And actually, I mean, well, I have to say that um, you were doing it before and then you teamed up with Pete Bissell, who also was very uh, competent when it L- comes like to Like minds. I mean, that's why yeah. we, we make sense together. I don't necessarily, I don't want to say you need to know how to, how to internet um, to have this, like a successful food business, but it sure as fuck helps. I mean, you really people do. walk in every single day to the restaurant, like I'll have the thing I saw on the internet. Yeah. That's a real thing. People don't like not having a website to look at. I mean, I feel like I worked in the last restaurant that was successful in that in Portland, Maine anyway, which was Miyaki, the old Miyaki on Spring Street before the new restaurant. It was like, you know, no advertising, no website, no, not all word of mouth. But it was like 25 seats or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, you can't do that anymore. And also, I mean, it's fun. Like, yeah, it's another thing you can do. Like, you don't have to. I think that some people, I mean, they need to hire branding companies because they don't have any design sense, but like you guys like have it and you can do it like on your own and it makes it more fun. That but way. it's, it's, it's natural and you can tell when it's forced. I mean, when I see a restaurant post like a SpongeBob meme to suggest coming into the restaurant, that makes me want to throw myself in front of a car. I mean, yeah. it happens a lot and it hurts me. It makes see. you want after that car hits you, I want them to go through the front window of that restaurant. Yeah. When you're but done I hitting mean, Andy drive through the restaurant. If you're a restaurant, show people food. Because that's what they're going to come in and get. Yeah, those are like the restaurants that call themselves mainly stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which are I, the worst. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, don't, I, don't, I want to talk about my... I choose, I choose not to go down that road. Yeah, but we, we all know. It's it's every... There are offenders in every type of business. But uh, I really like as far as your marketing, um, you have the High Roller t-shirts where you do like the Metallica Kill em All yeah. album cover. But it's like a lobster claw and like a... A cracker. Yeah. I mean, which is awesome. Again, it goes with people like, and we took, that's a photo we took. I mean, it's Baxter's hand and a hammer. So there's that no copyright infractions. Yeah. It's literally, we, it's a live lobster that we cooked, yeah. a hammer from our tool bench and Baxter's hand holding plexiglass. And you do the Metallica Kill em All album cover, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. It comes back to earlier. I said, like, people like familiarity. It works with our branding too. I mean, we have fun and do these kind of like, these rips. We do like a thrasher skateboarding rip and we do our Sons Out Buns Out imagery. That's, yeah. Kind of, you know, <laughs> is part of the brand at this point is like, you know, our spin on the Coppertone logo. It's it's fun because it's familiar. And it, like, if someone feels familiar with something, they're going to feel more comfortable with it. So like the whole like visual aspect of the High Rollers brand is like familiar, familiarity. 
Um, it's not like something you never heard of. It's not crazy looking. Um, it feels familiar. If you were to do a web series of your own sort of in that motif, what would that look like? Do you think at this point? Cause I feel like you guys are sort of ready for that at this, you know? Yeah. I don't know. We, we've talked about doing like, talk about doing a lot of things. We're too busy now to have too much fun in that aspect, but right. you guys I mean, we've talked that, to like yeah. winter projects. We've talked about quite a bit. Um, we've talked about our buddy, Josh is a videographer, Josh hand. And we've talked about doing a cooking show, sort of like yeah. I'm using air quotes. You can't see because you're listening, but a cooking show where there's certainly going to be cooking, but there's going to be it's more of like what we're doing now while cooking's yeah. happening um, with our friends, right. other guest chefs. Yeah. Um, and kind of just like shooting the shit and cooking food together. And so we've talked about that quite a bit. Right. I think it's interesting that all of these things like, you know, we were talking about Maddie Matheson earlier. I kind of want to go back to that for yeah. a second. Uh, I think that, well, A, I like how I like his level of self-confidence. I enjoy Super how he doesn't really wear a lot of clothes and it's pretty great. <laughs> like He's just like, what is the bucket hat? And no yeah, shirt, like, yeah, he's pretty awesome. And, frying he, shit, like. and he's, and he's, and, and you see the, the substances there yeah. in addition to the character. And I think that what it really comes back to, I think if, if we want to talk about, you know, Epic Mealtime definitely paved the way. I think it was a little before, but I mean, Vice has had a huge influence on this style uh, I mean, in Vice, obviously, there are good things about Vice and there are bad things about Vice. But like, you know, when they get like this like skater dude who like just got out of, you know, prison to make his like ramen noodles that he made in prison, that is like sweet and sour pork or whatever. Yeah. And like they're showing that and then it ends up being disgusting. Like he can't even eat it anymore and <laughs> try to feed it to people on the streets. I can't remember his name. He's a famous skater. But I think Vice definitely has, has sort of reshaped the whole land, the landscape as far as, as food. Shows. So you either have like the final table. Yeah. Or you have these clips on Vice of people just doing, you know, crazy stuff. And everybody now, you know, most people seem to know how to use, like, know how to edit video, yep. have access to great equipment so they can make things that look really great yeah. and professional and can make food look delicious. So that, again, I, I not to be distracted, but saying anyone can make food look delicious. Um, Do you see that video, uh, The Shed at Dulwich? Yes. Yes. Okay. Again, more. Let's food, talk. Tell, tell me about. TV. Tell me about the shed at Dulwich for people who have not seen it. So I think everyone well, that was on, Vice, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that was Vice. Anyone who has ever read a food review in their life should watch the YouTube it right now. Well, after this podcast, but yeah, the you shed can at do Dulwich. It now it's fine. It's, we won't be offended. It's such a treat working <laughs> in restaurants and watching this video. So it's this guy who his he was like his career was restaurants would pay him to write dozens of reviews for their restaurants. Dozens of like positive reviews. He may have never stepped foot or even seen the restaurant in real life, but they pay this guy to create all these fantastic reviews. He's in London, right? He's in London. Yeah. And he just kind of like becomes spent on doing that. Like it, it catches up with him emotionally, I think, because he makes it sound like he's just like, I feel bad doing this. So he decides to like, create he fabricates this fake restaurant called the shed at dulwich and he starts like buying microwave dinners and kitchen cleaning products and like shit that is practically inedible sometimes completely inedible and like staging these really beautiful shots um sometimes like there's one where he drapes like a uh you know easy sunny side up egg over the heel of his foot um shit like that so he stages these photos of this insanely like inedible product that look beautiful posts them online as part of these reviews right. And he's Almost like, oh like when gosh. you find out that in a bowl of cereal in the ad, it's actually Elmer's glue in that. That's the milk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's that kind of shit. <laughs> right. Because um, 
on it through your computer screen, it looks like a delicious plate of food. And it's uh, kid cuisine with paste in it. <laughs> kid um, cuisine? So he's doing... I've had kid cuisine for so long. <laughs> yeah. The microwave brownie. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So he d- makes this food and then writes these reviews about talking about how beautiful and fantastic it is. But he, at the same time, he creates these, like, the contact information for this fake restaurant. Phone number, email address. And, you know, slowly but surely, he starts getting emails from food blo- other food bloggers and writers and um, phone calls, people trying to book reservations. And he just, oh, sorry, we're booked up. Like, we're just, we're completely booked, you know, call back. It's, you know, the whole supply and demand. Tell someone they can't have it and they want it more. Or, oh, there's only yeah. five of these. It's a brilliant sort of play on human nature and the human psyche. Yeah. And then people, you know, it becomes more and more. And he starts, to, he videos from start to finish this whole process. Yeah. And he gets to the point where his restaurant starts, his goal is to be the number one restaurant on uh, Yelp or on, on TripAdvisor on Yelp, on Yelp. Okay. In, in London uh, I yeah, think that's I where TripAdvisor or Yelp um, or one of them yeah yeah and he starts really climbing the ranks he gets into like the top 25 with like other like really top you know four star or, or five restaurants star. that exist real restaurants that exist <laughs> and he's like I gotta I'm at the you know tipping point I gotta start letting people try this food um so he accepts reservations from like 10 or 15 real like food bloggers and writers but at the same for this day for this particular night. But at the same time, he hires like 15 of his friends to like pretend to be real customers um, and come and eat food at this restaurant that he's going to just basically put in his backyard and eat this food. Like I said, he buys all these microwave dinners and like I'm pretty sure everything is like out of a microwave or a packet that he like mixes oh, with water. Yeah, or if it's actually even food at all. Yeah. He's just staging these ridiculous you know, they look like they could be out of um, off a of chef's table where it's like, oh, I've created like the garden floor or whatever. Because he you knows know, what like, food's supposed to look like because that's right. what he does. But it's it's really terrible food that he's cooking. Uh, so he invites all his people to this night, but he, you know, stages this restaurant in his backyard. <laughs> doesn't want people to see where it is. Um, so he blindfolds them down the street and walks them to the backyard. And he hires like a guy who keeps chickens to like keep them in his shed. So it looks like they're butchering chickens on yeah, site. Yeah. And he hires a DJ to like, DJ like kitchen white noise. So yeah, like noise, pots right? And it's not even clattering yeah. and like people chattering. <laughs> and he cooks his food and serves it to people. And mind you, half the people there are his friends, and they're like, "Oh, mm. like oh, this, this is delicious." They're talking about how much they love the food. Yeah. So these people who think they're at this real restaurant also Follow think they love suit. the food. Yeah, like, because oh, this it's is the mob mentality. It reminds me of home. And I think makes me remember like being a child, and it's this man who made a fake restaurant with fake reviews, and he served absolute yep. crap. Yep. And these people are. And he, re- and he and did wrote, become number one. He became number one, serving garbage. And so well, not even serving garbage, but just not having a real restaurant. Not a real restaurant. Like uh, it's not even. Serving microwave food. Yeah, it's like the ultimate. Yeah, it has nothing even to do. The food could actually even be good, but it's like. He, he gave people the food for free. Fabricated a thing. Yeah. He, it was like, it's free. It's on the house. Yeah. Um, that's It's very smart. It's uh, you have definitely to watch worth it. a watch. It's, it's a true, it's a happy ending. Yeah. It's the opposite <laughs> of watching, say, you know, man versus food. Yeah, it's it's a real treat. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it, and it just makes you really, really think about people who. Uh, yeah, it themselves. makes you well, the whole part of this food culture we, now is is everybody in the soapbox. We had a lady the other day who uh, asked for a manager. She she got the the, the cheese crisp taco, and she was like, "Why does this taste like cheese?" And the server was like, "Well, the shell is made of cheese." She's like, "I hate it." Um, <laughs> it was halfway eaten, and she was like, "Can I get a bun instead?" They brought oh her a bun, gosh. which she. Ate most of, didn't like, asked for a manager. They said there wasn't one. And she said, well, then you'll be hearing about this on Yelp. It's not a, it's people use it as a a threat. It's not, it's, it's not doing what it was built to do. Well, there was that whole thing in Boston with, um, 
I forget his first name, but it was um, Alden Harlow, mm. Michael Scalfeld, I believe. And there were these two, and they're, they're documented, these two ladies coming in being like, they never reservation, they sat at a table. And as they were telling him to leave, they had their phones on. They're like, we're yelping about you right now. But they, uh, they're captured doing it. And he, like, posted a picture of them because they're wretched people. Yeah. And then people still flipped out. They're like, oh, it's still a customer. Like, people are air idiots. They're using it as, like, a threatening tool, which is insane to me. It, and that's what it is. I mean, and they. You can't, you can't like, look up a restaurant on Yelp. And that can make or break whether you're going or not. Granted, like. For a lot of people, most, it does. It does, which is, yeah. I mean, for the it's most idiotic. part, it works in our favor. Yeah, we, we have, for the most part, great Yelp reviews. But then you know you, you're going to get the the sourpuss who leaves your. Oh, sure, order. you can pay Yelp to scrub reviews, right? You can, and we get phone calls all the time. Yeah, which we've never done. We, you can sure shit go I mean, go onto so Yelp right now and read some crazy about ones, it, isn't it? They're like, hey, so uh, this is so and so from Yelp, and I noticed uh, you've got a couple uh, unsavory reviews. They literally offer, so they don't disappear. They just go way to the bottom. It's crazy. And what, how much does that cost? I don't know. I've never. I'd be curious. Never Next time they call, far. find out how much it costs. I'm curious. I will. As to the price they call, they call for that, and they call uh, looking for us to pay for advertising search, like Bing, more. Yeah. So when you search Maine, like yeah. we'll be one of the first places that come up, and we've never paid for advertising yeah. once ever. Yeah, and that's actually the nice thing about being in, in Portland, Maine, over like New York City, is it's harder to get swallowed up here. But it's crazy that this is pretty much the landscape. And like I said, I think it's great that this episode has sort of transitioned to into internet. this topic. Well, yeah, because I mean, that's not. It's today's TV. This is today's TV. And this is today's stuff. Like, like people are documented using Yelp <laughs> or they have all, you know, documentaries about Yelp on YouTube, which are amazing. And some some people embrace it like uh, Turkey and the Wolf. They were like best restaurant in the country last year, I think, down in New Orleans. And they pride themselves in their Yelp reviews that are bad. Like their bathroom yeah. is pasted with one star Yelp reviews. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure their like Instagram bio is like a, a one star Yelp review that they got. Yeah. And Spirit was, Airlines is the same way. They were actually giving out like 10,000 free miles for every really bad review you give them. Uh, see, I like that. Uh, I like it, except if you have to fly Spirit Airlines, you don't like it anymore. Yeah, it's the worst. Like a, ever fly. Chicken on the plane. I think we should end with Spirit Airlines because it's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst ever. I want to thank uh, Andy Gary uh, from High, High Roller Lobster Co. in Portland, Maine. Thanks for coming, man. This has been. Yeah, no, this is very cool. Uh, like I said, super happy to be here. Interesting that it moved from TV to internet. I think. I think that says something. I think about that internet is TV food, now. TV. Yeah. Um, it's TV is turned into the internet. I mean, more people use the internet than they watch TV, I think. And I think that most people who still watch TV on cable or whatever, or, wa or you know, or watching who food shows. Who only watch it on TV. Who only watch on TV are probably watching mostly like MasterChef and, you know, cooking competition shows. So that seems to be what's And they're probably prevalent. leaving Yelp reviews. And they probably actually enjoy the ones they bring the kids on, which I don't know what's going on with that. But uh, I'd also like to thank our sponsors, uh, Termaline Spring Water, Amethyst Elixir, CBD Drops, uh, Living Nuts with the Zed, Sprouted Nuts, and of course, Blythe and Burroughs on Exchange Street in Portland, Maine, uh, which we both love. Cocktail bar, it's delightful. Uh, you can find them on the web at blytheandburroughs.com, B-L-Y-T-H-A-N-D-B-U-R-O-W-S. Again, thank you for coming. And no, this is you. Joe Riccio with the Fukuma Podcast, signing off. <laughs>